Hello. Welcome one. Welcome all to the Red Bulletin Podcast. I'm your host, Andreas Georges. On this podcast, we talk to top performers in the world of adventure, sports, culture, in the innovation space. We try and understand the hurdles that they had to overcome, the tips and tricks that made them better. We hope that you get something from these tips and tricks, maybe something you can apply to your own life. We've got an innovator of sorts in the food space today, a man named Ron Finley, or the gangster gardener, as he's known. A man who uh, planted fruits and vegetables in the, the cracked sidewalks and concrete outside of his South Central Los Angeles home and launched a green movement, which took aim at the problem of food deserts in America, the problem of lower income communities getting access to healthy food. The way Ron tells it, there's really nothing more gangsta than uh, the food you put in your body, the air you breathe. So we took, uh, we took the podcast on the road and we visited him in South Central LA. We are in LA after all. Uh, so if you hear the sound of airplanes flying into LAX in the background, that's the reason why. If you hear the uh, metro line, that's right, Los Angeles actually has a public transportation system. Uh, and a stop is right outside of uh, Ron's house. If you hear the, uh, the sounds of a, of a line coming in and out, a train coming in and out, it's because we're on the road. It's a truly special place. It's an absolute explosion of plant life uh, where Ron lives. And I'll actually hold off on describing it too much because um, he opens with a description of where we actually re uh, recorded this week's podcast uh, that I think you'll like. Um, all right, let's start the show. All right. Um, uh, thanks for... Uh, well, okay. Let's take let's take it first with the name Gangsta Gardener. Is that something you embrace? Is that I think something we should take it first? We're in the bottom of a goddamn pool. I mean, I... we are. Why don't you tell? Take this. <laughs> but what this is we... but this is your show. No, no, I, I like that. Why don't you tell first us where we're at right now? Say you did it. Now you're gonna say it's your material. <laughs> you came up with that idea. No, I've, you know why? Because the audio don't lie, and the audio is recording you right now. So, uh, don't, why don't you tell us? Introduce us where we are. Uh, you're in the bottom of a 50-foot swimming pool, and, and we're in um, South Central uh, California. I thought it was called South Los Angeles. No, no, now. no it's South Central. We said, I, I don't give in to that shit, but, you know, basically they changed the name, but they didn't change anything else to me. It's like, I guess it's like some Jedi mind trick. You know, we're supposed to think because they, they changed the name that now it's different. Right. And there's healthy food, and there's beauty, and there's butterflies and hummingbirds and dragonflies all over the place you yeah, know? And, yeah and opportunity is everywhere and that's not true how long so we're we're at the bottom of a pool i should say that is absolutely covered in succulents in all kinds of we, we just plucked uh raspberries from a bush that's right next to this makeshift table we set up <laughs> um we've got tons of uh, beautiful street art i'm guessing done by local yeah, well, Local that's cruise. a lot of this is done by my sons. I have two sons, um, Delphin and Coach. I have three sons. I'm sorry, Azadine. I have three sons that are, um, are two, I have two that was that are artists. That's what I was gonna say. And um, this is this mural is from a, a crew called the Love Crew here in L.A. Uh, and um, a lot of some a bunch of the stuff is from done by my sons, which was this was like their practice ground. Okay. And do you appreciate the work that they did? Oh my God! You got 
you got to look up their work. Well, I'll show you their stuff. Um, Koshin is on, they're both on Instagram, Delphin, Delphinley, D-E-L-F-I-N-L-E-Y on Instagram, and Koshin, K-O-H-S-H-I-N. Okay. They're, the work they're doing is phenomenal. Yeah. Really. I'm, I am definitely a proud father. Were they artists at a young age already? Extremely. Yeah. Yeah, extremely. Yeah. You know, but more so, too, I'm proud of me that I was able to steer them into doing something that um, that they get joy out of. I mean, when I raised my sons, the biggest thing was to operate from happy. You know, don't do shit that don't make you happy. It's real simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? But yet stay on the straight and narrow somehow. Exactly. Make sure to uh, tag your bases yep. when you All tag them. Uh, and did you raise them here in, yeah, in, LA, in South, South Central? Central. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how... And you were raised here as well. Yes, I was. Yeah. Uh, at, you know, really close to the, the flashpoint, you know, Florence and Normandy. Right. And how has this neighborhood changed uh, since your youth? Uh, your cousins are moving in rapidly. Right. What do they call that? Gentlefication. Gentlefication. I think that was a, you either intentionally or mis, <laughs> intentionally mispronounced that or. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's interesting because even right around here, you know, my assistant, Ashley, she was, you know, there's a circus school down the street that just opened and I guess they got priced out of Culver City and which is what a mile and a half away, maybe. And, you know, one of the guys over there tells her, well, you know, this is an an, an up-and-coming neighborhood. And I, and I told her, I said, you should have told him, get out of here with that Christopher Columbus bullshit. There was people here before you, dude. We don't need you to come over here to make our neighborhood up-and-coming. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of it's insulting, but a lot of it, I mean, it's, it's a very, very thick subject, you know, because... A lot. What's happening now is the gentrifiers are being gentrified, <laughs> right? And they right. don't and they don't know how to handle it. Right. You know, it's like, damn, I thought I had money, but shit, there's people that have more money than I do. You know, and and uh, it's bad. It's really bad. What? How has that changed your message to the folks here? Well, it changed my message. My, I have a lot of messages. You know, first of all, um, and. Um, one of them is is own your property or own some property. Uh, that's how a lot of the wealth was built. You know, people who are wealthy, a lot of their wealth was wealth was born was um, came through ownership of property. Through we've had a long history of not being able to own properties for a long time, and so now we're paying catch up. You know, between redlining between you know places that you could you could rent a you can rent property here but you can't i mean i'm sorry you can rent and live in a property here but you can't buy it right you know so um and now we're trying to play catch up and now and redlining you're talking about the the racist practice of yes. the uh housing authorities in the united states right in the 70s which basically redlined neighborhoods where yeah. african-americans couldn't own exactly yeah. but it was happening way before the 70s it was happening in the 30s 40s you know 20s but you couldn't own property right period right. but you could live in some properties and um did your parents own their property yeah they did they did okay. yeah if, and, if you ever own property right well, I mean, that will go down a rabbit hole, a long rabbit hole with, right. you know, with the, because we, we'll talk about the whole systems 
sure. of design. We'll talk about how does how um, cities are not designed for people; they're designed for commerce. We'll talk about the universities, about the time you go in a university and you're there for six years, four years, whatever it is. But they've established this year that you're. It's a four year university, so you know everything you're gonna know. We it's a rabbit hole that right. we will go down because why, who who this, who decided that. Who decided that it's four years? Who, who, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. And then you pay all this money and you're in debt and now you go to some entry level position. Right. You know, and that shit you learned four years ago, it's antiquated. Well, especially in this changing society, right? Stop. But is anybody telling these kids, you know, that is any, and now you're in debt that, that can never be erased. So no, we you know we'll we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll go into the schools has incubators for the prison industrial complex, right? Especially in these black, brown, and red areas, right? You know we'll we'll go to the point where talking about oh these kids don't don't have one healthy meal all day for years, so now they don't even know what healthy food is. Do you really want to go down this rabbit hole? <laughs> Because it's long, it will be. Will be. I don't know. I don't know if you got that much time. I, I don't, we're, we've already we've already taken like twenty minutes just setting up at the bottom of the pool. So we had to waterproof everything first. Um, so how uh, how about with you and healthy eating? Did you grow up eating healthy? Uh, yeah, I, I think because we had real. Even the bad food was real food. You know, um, it wasn't it wasn't tainted. I mean, now you gotta you gotta think of everything that are, is brought to certain communities. It's bad. It's 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 um, it's it's tainted. It's got yeah. pesticides. All that. Mm-hmm. All that. You don't even know what it's. But they make it look so sexy in the stores. It's, it's they have these lights on it, and it's wet. And you know, you hear like Barry White and shit playing. You know, and it's like the food looks sexy as fuck. You know, but but it that food is killing you. Yeah. And um, and then the products. Damn near every product has stuff that they really don't need in that product that is also killing. And you're putting it on your skin, which is the b- biggest membrane you have. So we, we're, we're being inundated by, f- by food and products that kill us. And um, it's in a lot of neighborhoods, that's the only thing you get, you know. So it's, it's um, but I grew up eating um, somewhat healthy. But when I came up, you know, in the 1800s, it was... Um, <laughs> You know, when McDonald's came, you know, it was we 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 clamored to get to McDonald's. It was, you know, I, and and it wasn't what it is today, you know. But um, was it even a healthy option back then? You know, I don't know. I, I mean, don't either. Yeah, actually, I don't yeah, know. I mean, it, it was tasty as hell, but I don't I don't know if it was if it was healthy or not. Uh, but I know I'm sh- that it didn't have what it has in it today. Mm. You know, right, right. Um, so this was something that you mentioned you had three sons. This is something you instilled in them also coming up, I'm guessing, like, you know, make healthy choices. But how difficult is that in (laughs) especially this area when we're talking about, you know, what people nowadays refer to as food deserts, you know? I refer to them as food prisons. You know, it's, it's difficult as hell. You know, think about it. You can go for miles and miles yeah. without finding anything that's not sprayed with pesticides. It's not GMO'd. You can't, in certain neighborhoods, it's not going to happen. You right. literally have to leave the neighborhood. And that's one of the things that started my my um, my um fight, you know, was that plight. 
of um, not being able to get any kind of healthy food. But I can get 24-hour fast food. I can get alcohol. We can walk two minutes any direction, and I, we can find alcohol. But we are not going to find an organic apple for 10 miles. Why, why is that? It's by design. Think, I mean, it's, who benefits from that? I mean, you got to think of, again. The grocery. You want to go down the rabbit hole. Because yeah. now we got the, the agriculture industrial complex. We got the prison industrial complex. We got the medical industrial complex. We got the military industrial complex. All of this is affected by food. You know, a lot of people, it's a stretch for them to see it. But just, a, just think of what you're able to do if you have opportunity around you. <laughs> To better your life rather than this designed life around you that you had no idea that was designed for you. You know, we'll, we'll, it's, it's, um, it's deep. And yeah. you, you got to think that these kids, if, you're, if they're presented with this every day, they don't know what healthy food is. They think that that's healthy food and it's tasty as hell. So they're seduced by it. And now you give them these sugary drinks that has things in it that, that, you know, shit, Socrates can't even pronounce. And um, and now they're addicted to this stuff. And now we have, you know, like uh, adult onset diabetes in 12-year-olds, <laughs> right. you know, and they don't, they, they think this is normal. Right. And it's not. So, no, it, it's, it's um, to me, it's, it's you, you look at it as by design, you know, it's, it's, it's. A lot of this, you go to the schools, you look at them, you look at the design of the school. Who is it made for? Who, who, you know, why aren't the schools beautiful? Why don't, why don't you go into a, skew, a school and there's colors and there's, there's nice music playing and there's flowers. Nice and there's, materials oh, and textures. No, but what do you get? What yeah, do you concrete get? blocks. Concrete blocks, asphalt, beige, um, you know, bars on the windows, um, and you get this your whole life going up to school. So, of course, when you happen to go to prison, guess what? It, it seems natural. It feels a bit familiar, it's, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, a bit. So the, these are designed environments, and we need to, to um, look at who benefits from the design of these environments. When, when did this... Because you, you know, you did something else before you started gardening. So why, why don't you tell me a little bit about that? What, you were you were working in fashion for a while. Like what 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 I mean, was the mo- first most, kind of career option for you? Where were you? Well, I, what when I was in school, I wanted to be a printer. You know, I wanted to I wanted to. That's what I you know when in school I used to um, work in a print shop. You know, I had a couple of jobs after school when I you know I did printing and I but I used to mess up all my clothes. And, right and with the ink and with the was, ink and the that dots. ink was indelible it didn't you get that ink on your clothes and it was done so i'm like this ain't cool so, <laughs> so i i studied tailoring when i was like 15 years old so, so you like working with your hands already oh yeah i'm i'm tactical i have to i mean i i don't get it from the blackboard are you telling me i have to i have to touch it and and um and learn like that okay and so tailoring was probably oh, yeah. made you look quite cool at school I'm oh guessing. yeah well it Isn't did it? well first it did it you know people you know a couple of people oh look at the little seamstress until i started wearing the clothes that i made and it was a whole nother game it right. was so now it was like everybody wanted to study taylor <laughs> you know uh everybody wanted to take the sewing class in high school you right know? but right. i mean what were you making i was making suits and slacks you know um jeans everything vests you know Carving out your own style. Yeah, oh, totally, totally. Yeah, and, and um, 
and that that gave me the freedom to realize that again this environment like with clothes clothes are not built for black people the models that they built for these clothes they're not um they're not built we have a different build mexicans have a different build white folks have a different build you know you you guys um your backs are longer than ours our backs are shorter you know center back to waist so and these are not taken into con- uh, consideration in clothes so what we what we do we we accommodate the clothes instead of the clothes accommodating us. So I, I, as a child, I'm like, this ain't cool. It's got to be another way. How do I know this? But um, uh, that's how I started taking tailoring um, because I, I wanted my whole life to be custom. Every I want everything to be custom. Why? Why shouldn't it be? You know. Um, you know. Even you know something I did in high school. In, in no, in junior high school, because the girls, the cooking class, they used to set the cakes and the pies in the window. And um, I said, I need to be down with that. You know, you walk by and it's apple pie and chocolate chip cookies and they're hot. And I'm like, I need to be down with this. So I went to the council and said, I want to take, you know, the cooking class. And she looked at me and she says, you you can't because that's for girls. And I'm like, damn. And I'm, what, I'm 11, 12, I don't know. And I said, well, aren't most men chef, chefs? And she stopped and she says, you know, you're right. So because I wanted hot cakes and cookies, they started a boys' cooking class. At the time, I didn't know how badass that was. I didn't know how assertive that was. I didn't know how how game-changing that truly was. The fact that I had this teacher, though, this counselor, that she had the, the ears to hear that. And, uh, yeah, they started a boys' cooking class. So only because I wanted hot chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> but when you look at, that's some paradigm shift in shit. You know, yeah. but it took me years, you know, to, to think back on that and see that down. Yeah. I mean, you you don't seem like someone who's afraid to be inquisitive and afraid to question things. Um, did that come from just growing up in the neighborhood you grew up with? Did it come from your parents? Did it come from? It came from being um, dyslexic. It, it came. It came from being. It comes from being. Why is this like this? You know why? Why I, this don't have to be like this? Can't we redesign this? Can't we make this fit? You know. So it came. It came. I guess it came from that. Um, is being able to be creative and question it, question like that chair you're sitting in. What can it be after it's served a so-called purpose? What mm. can it be now? What can we use it for? A lot of what the Ron Finley Project does is about repurposing and with that repurposing people's mindset to not think of this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, you know, drive to work, you know, an hour, two hours each way in your box, and then you go sit in a, a cubicle, and then you get back in your box and go live in your box. You know, and these these are designed, this is how our life's designed, and we just, what do we do? We just fall in line and accept it. We don't think about changing it. We don't think about why is this diamond worth $50,000? Why is it worth $50,000? It's like, damn, now I got to get $50,000 to buy this diamond, so that shows that I have a lot of money. No, it's $50,000 because they said so. And that's the only Yeah, but she also, you also, you saw the benefits from questioning things early on, Oh, right? I mean, you were, you were positive. That was that habit or not, that, that style of yours was, was positively reinforced. But as a child, you don't know that, you know, <laughs> you don't know that, that you're doing some badass shit as a child, you know, <laughs> you just, you just think, you know, you're doing what like, no, nah, this, this don't fit. I don't like sitting in here. You know, um, I don't like being here. What is this? And cause I didn't get it in school. I didn't get I didn't learn like everybody else learned. You know, I mean, at, at, at shit in high school, I was in the special trailer. 
you know, because I didn't read like everybody else was reading. And one, and all it was was no one took the time to teach me the way, you know, I needed to be be taught. And so now with, you know, I go to a school. I just did um, in Florida, in um, Pensacola, I did a artist in resident at the University of, of um, West Florida. And it just, and I went to an elementary school and they kept telling me that this is the lowest performing school in the district, Ron. This is the lowest performing school in the district. Now, I hope, you know, and I, first of all, I told the women that brought me that, I said, damn, this place looked like the prison, the woman's prison I was just in three weeks ago in, in, um, uh, Chino, California. And I'm like, and I walk in and you have to give your ID and go through the glass and, and these long corridors It's built just like a prison. It's a, it's a, uh, elementary school. And um, the questions these kids asked me, it was like I thought I was in an episode of Punk, and I was waiting for Aston Kutcher to, to come out. I got three-year-olds asked, Ron, why is there bad food and in, in, in good food? Why'd they make that? You know, I got a, I got a five, fifth grader saying, we can't get any healthy food where I live, and um, and I think we're being profiled. And I'm like, and I'm like looking around, okay, right, I'm being punk. So, you know, it just brought me to the point of the, where I was already at. Fuck your standardized education and fuck your standardized testing. Nobody's standard. Like I said, everything should be custom. You teach a child the way they need to be taught, not the way that you figured that, that to teach them. Because what you're doing, you're not giving them knowledge. Nobody's getting knowledge. They're being taught to be, think a certain way, to do. There is no fucking box. <laughs> but how do you how do you accommodate a large number of kids? How do you scale that? Right? How do you scale that customizable message? Like, I mean, you how how did they get their message out? How did how does racism work? It's a think about how great racism truly works. That shit. I mean, you got to give <laughs> that shit work. Yeah. How, so how did they scale that up? Let's can we use the same media? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's brand messaging, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's just completely reinforced. <laughs> yeah, how do we? That's all we need to do. I mean, it's no you 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 know we act like it can't be done. Yeah, it can be done because they did it. They showed us that it can be done. Yes, it can be scaled up. You know, it's it's um um it's that same thing. A journey of a million miles. Mm. You know, one footstep. Yeah, it can be scaled up. They because they showed us that they can scale it up across the country. Okay. To hundreds and hundreds of thousands of kids, you know, who are not learning what they should be learning, you know, that don't know how to, what the stock market is, that don't right. know how to balance their checkbook, you know, the S&P. They don't, you know, all of this stuff that they see that uh, you don't need to you don't need to be bothered with that. You know, you need to know this. The same thing would go back to the universities with this shit that's four years old. You out of school. <laughs> Tell me how you can use it. Right. You know, right. and then how many people would you, did you go to college? I did. Yeah. So what'd you go to, what'd you go to school for? Uh, journalism and international relations. Okay. So you're working kind of in what you went to school for. Sure. Why yeah. are you looking around like, uh, let me, that's a stretch. No, you are. I mean, this, I am. No, no, no. Yeah. That's true. But most people are not. Yes, that's true. Most that's people true. are. Not. Yeah. 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 So, well, and, and also their role models nowadays are guys who, um, quit college, college and started companies <laughs> and now multi-billionaires the and, they're, and they're gentrifying the, the <laughs> everywhere i was just i was just in um i was just in see i mean seattle i mean i mean amazon is there a difference i don't know <laughs> 
I don't know. I think Boeing Jesus. might have a problem with that. They, they, Boeing, Microsoft, <laughs> they, they laid claim to Seattle long before. They're fighting a turf war right now. You know, it's oh definitely God. going on up there. Yeah. Well, what did you want to say? No, just that. I mean, it, it's, you know, you were talking about these guys just, they're killing the game, you know. Um, and it's just to see these, these tech tycoons, you know, what they're doing. And a lot of them, you're right, they dropped out of school. Does, uh, would, would Ron Finley, uh, fashion maven at the age of 17 would he have taken a different path if he were around these days if you had grown up in this age because uh, you do so much on your own because yeah. you take that initiative probably would this yeah. age have suited you uh yeah yeah i mean because you know you adapt you mm-hmm. adapt to your like a bear lives in the woods because they know how to live in the woods <laughs> right <laughs> you know right so that's right. what they do so yeah you you um uh, I, and I think it comes down to survival skills. Mm. Um, so, yeah, more than likely um, I would have. I mean, in, in, in studying, you know, and I went on to study fashion design, which was to me I shouldn't have because what you should be, what they should, and all you guys who haven't and you're deciding, don't study fashion design. Study design, period. That means you can, any kind of design, you can fuck with it. You know, you, you, you're not limited to this one thing. I mean, you learn the elements of design. So if they need you, you know, like, wasn't Felipe Stark or somebody like him or, um, you know, Eves Bahar, you know, where, oh, you need a motorcycle design. Oh, you, you need a vacuum cleaner. Oh, you need chairs design. You need some clothes. You know the elements. And that's what I wish that I would have, um, somebody would have. I mean, I did stuff in my life that nobody around me did. You know, um, period, uh, a lot of things. So um, I can't, you can't blame people for not having that foresight to around you to tell you that. But that's how I raised my sons is just expose them to mm-hmm. damn near everything. You mm-hmm. know? And see what sticks. Yeah. And a lot of it's going to stick and a lot of it's going to change. And that's what is cool to change. Just because you decided to do this don't mean you have to stick with it. And that's what most people do. And most parents they want their kids to be them, live the life that they didn't get to live because I wanted to be a basketball player, so you're going to be a basketball player. Or I wanted to be a surgeon. So, dude, I don't want to be no surgeon. I want to be a ballerina. Leave me the hell alone. You know, let them do what they're going to do. Mm. And, um, you know, like a lot of people ask, are your sons, are they are they in the garden? I'm like, no, they ain't in the garden. I don't, I don't want them to be. I want them to do what they want to do. Right, right. <laughs> Were your parents cool with you doing fashion? Yeah. Yeah, uh, my parents were cool with me doing anything. Just get out of the damn house, you know. <laughs> <laughs> were you a latchkey kid? Or? Yeah, no. Well, no, latchkey yeah. kid mean that they weren't there. They yeah. were there, you know. And I had a big ass family, so. Um, but yeah, no, they they were very cool. I mean, I went to night school when I was in when I was still in high school. I went to Trey Tech. Uh, tech, Trey Technical College in downtown LA to learn to learn tailoring. Wow. Yeah. Um, after you know, after I was it three days a three time three days a week. So and I leave the, high school to go downtown. What was the career progression then for you? I I started work. I started making clothes for people. You know, probably when I was sixteen, seventeen. You know, so I saw that there was. Um, that you can make money. Just like now I'm telling these kids money grows on trees. Right. Not like when we were kids, people were like, your dad, money don't grow on trees. Go get it. You need, you need a job. No, dude, you need to plant some trees like yesterday, you know, cause trees give you money 
for years to come. You know, I'm in what Sweden and uh, there's a 150 year old tree still giving apples. So that's what we should be telling these kids. And that's that's what trying to get African-Americans and Latin Americans into growing food is 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 makes my job harder because of the legacy of um, slavery and also the legacy of the migrant. Well, it's not even it's still happening. The legacy of migrant farm worker. You know, they're not trying to touch no soil. They remember, they nobody trying to work like that. But I said the difference is, just imagine if you own the soil. You know, so money does grow on tree and life comes out of the soil. That's the difference between what was happening. Other people own the soil, so they got the benefit. Right. So we need to switch that thinking. Right, you know? right. How long were you making clothes for? Oh, my God, years. Up until the Depression. That the they keep that they that they keep calling a recession. The two thousand eight. Oh yeah, the crash. Yeah. Yep. What I mean, happened then? Just not people stopped paying. You know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who were people you stopped paying? To, oh man, I was selling Neiman's. I was selling Nordstroms. Oh. I had, okay. Oh no, I had Saks. I had some big ass clients. Men, I mean, menswear as well. Well, I did a lot of custom stuff for a lot of the ball players and, okay. and entertainers and you know hustlers. I did a. I had a big custom business. Was that fun? It was a lot of fun because it got to the point where, you know, they would trust me. I would have people like Penny Hardaway call and says, Finn, I need 365 fits, outfits. He's, they, we call them fits, and, and hang up the phone. And, and it challenged the hell out of me, you know. But so it was really cool because that shows you that they really, really trusted me in doing what I um, was doing. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. And, and, you know, not one day was the same. And I I like it like that. I don't want to do the same thing every day, mm. you know. So um, that's yeah. That's it was. Um, so, it was between that and the stores, you know. And it got to the stores where you had like stores like Nordstrom's with their chargebacks, which means like you need a, a you need you know your wife needs this jacket and she's going to this thing on Friday and she wants you know she so they special order it. So I know if I go through their channels, it's not going to get to her in time. And plus, I can just have somebody drive it over to the West Side Pavilion and give it to them. I get charged $150 for that because I didn't go through your channel. And they're not worried about the service. So they had so they were making so much money on people um, with this chargeback shit, you know, and it and it, it became not fun to do business. Right. You know? So was there a fundamental pivot then that happened in 2008? Was there an occasion that you're like, okay, I'm going to leave this life behind and I'm going to take on this new... Well, I mean, I the, the life kind of left me behind because, like I said, people just stopped paying, playing, people start ordering and and, the, and everything changed. I mean, I had a boutique custom manufacturing business and um, so, no, I wasn't short selling my stuff. I, I did high quality stuff that people collected and last i mean i was proud of the product that we put out i mean it, it's it's it stood the test of time and um i wasn't going i didn't I, I refused to go into you know making um shit clothing i didn't want i didn't want my name on it you know so between that and um the stores and um and then the custom stuff and the same thing with with uh the custom you have you had a lot of um People going to get what do they call it um, ready to ready made 
or not ready, like made to measure or something. Which, right, right. Yeah. Which is like half custom, right. half off the rack kind of a yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I mean, in between that and these guys had crews of girls that would go out to the players and, you know, sell them on the stuff. And I wasn't competing against that. So Plus yeah. Russell Westbrook wasn't around back then. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um so take me to that genesis then of 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 planting here. I mean, you, you've you've been in this house for how long now? I don't know, years. Years. You know? Yeah. So when did you start planting? Uh, well, actually, I started planting in um, 2002 or something, but I got a rest warrant and I had to go to court. So wait, you got a citation for planting something out on the street? Yep. Okay, yeah. you, what was it that you were planting? Banana trees and agapanthas, and right. just pretty shit. Flowers and right. smells and jasmine and because you wanted, wanted to, to walk, make it nice. Yeah. I wanted to walk. Well, I wanted to walk out and smell, you know, beauty. Um, and um, I wanted to change the design of what we think is normal or what we think we have to do because everybody else is doing it. I didn't want to be a sheeple, you know, and. Um, uh, again, I want my life to be custom. <laughs> I don't care what you're wearing, you know. My shit flyer than yours. That's, that's the life I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, so we that's when it started. But I, I had, you know, went to court. I had to remove it and or I was going to go to jail. How ridiculous was that? Court? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, was the judge at least kind of rolling his or her eyes as yeah but i mean it was the bottom line this shit's on the book and you you're supposed to follow the books and you know no matter that there's you know that you're beautifying your 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 street your neighborhood you know and a person a a old woman down the street she's the one that reported me you know Hmm. it's envy jealousy you know you're getting attention and it's it's, i i like to tell people to embrace your haters because they make you famous you know, and then years later, seven years later, is when everybody knows about, you know, the, the if anybody knows about my story, that's when this really happened. Whereas I did it again, but I did it, I started growing food and and flowers and trees. And, and again, I was, I was uh, an anonymous neighbor, probably the same person called. That's when it happened. Um, and... Um, the whole thing that happened all over again and I just told him I'm not I'm not taking it out so do what you gotta do and um, you know a bunch of people got involved I had started an organization where we were growing you know where we were putting in gardens for people in South Central and then I um, uh, LA Times got a hold of it the story and then Ted got a hold found out about it because somebody did a little film about me called Renegade and that's how I wound up on TED, doing my first TED in, how was that? in Vancouver. Crazy and scary as hell because, I mean, I wasn't a public speaker and, you know, got some cryptic-ass message talking about, hi, Ron, we've been watching you, you know. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck is this? You know. Yeah, the the like, digital, the yeah, tech I'm Illuminati's like, after yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? You know, and I thought it was a joke, you know, so I thought it was the girl who made the film, so I called her and she's like, you know, I said, yeah, you got jokes. You know, I sent it back to her. I sent, oh, I just, re- I just went forward to the email, uh, reply to the email because I thought it was her. And I'm like, yeah, well, who's, who's Melissa? I'm like, ah, yeah, or whatever. So it found out, got a hold of her. It's like, are you crazy? I didn't do that. Are you fucking Ted called you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the weird part about that is 30 minutes before I had watched the Ted 
of this guy to put the garden in the White House years ago. And I said, wow, um, this is um, this guy says the same thing I said, but just white. You know, he just talks like a white guy. (laughs) And uh, he said the same thing that I did, just white. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, damn. So I said, maybe it is. Maybe I should because she's all you need to be teaching. You should be doing this. And I'm like, I don't know. I just do it. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't I'm not a gardener. I don't know how to garden. And um so find out that she didn't. Oh, so, oh, let me see. So I was telling her that. So 30 minutes earlier, I sent her this video. And then 30 minutes later, I get an email from Ted. So that's how that happened. It's called the Worldwide Talent Search. Okay. You know? And it was the first time they did it. And I, I don't think they've ever done it again. And I was literally the last person to that they contacted around the world. Okay, because wow. it was going to be in Vancouver, so it started and ended in Vancouver. As the last person um, on stage, literally, so I closed everything. I mean, I literally they put me last, and I had never done a PowerPoint. I had never done none of that. I'm like, and uh, nobody, everybody thought I knew what they were. I was doing because they saw saw the film, so they thought I'm like, dude, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And um, I was going to, I said, I can leave, just leave, just leave, Ron, just leave. Nobody will notice that you're gone. <laughs> you know, I was in a, I was in a computer, what do you call that? Um, we call it a computer ca- uh, cafe, internet cafe and, and left, you know, working on the speech and left my drive in the, in the computer and they didn't open till later on the next day. And I was supposed to be on stage by then. So yeah, it was crazy. And um, uh, so. And why, like, why didn't you bounce? I don't know. I was like, you're going to embarrass your family. I don't know. I mean, I because, I mean, who, who's going to, can't, you don't leave, you know, you fight, you know, period. And, um, so I, I wound up, they made me last and I wound up getting a standing ovation, you know, probably one of the one, only ones that night, if I remember. And you know, I, it's at, it's at 3 million views now. No, it's not that seed, but that's it. That It's not that one. This what do you is, mean? It's not that one. It's another Ted. That's that, another Ted. Oh yeah, this was the first Ted. That that's how I got to the Ted that you're. You talking got like about. major league Ted's. So you were in like, like the feet. You were what like, you <laughs> so, but, they, but they put you in the feeder league first. <laughs> so you what know. came with that? I mean, what did that tell you about your message? And what what did that tell you about? Um, you know what, what was it resonating? Oh my God, it resonated with. What what was amazing to me was I was in Canada and it resonated with people in Canada. And I'm like, damn, you're in a foreign country and they're getting everything you said. They're getting, they're laughing, they're, they're like, boy, you know, and they're getting it. And, um, I mean, I think I had six minutes or something. That's it. And um, I was I was blown away when they stood up because I was thinking it's the day's you know, this was all people. You're there all. They were there all day, and I'm the last person. I'm thinking everybody's burnt out by now. You know, and and I, you know, it was these young kids with their brilliant powerpoints and everything's on point, and bam, bam, and doctors, and you know, all these kind of that do this. I'm like college kids, and I don't, I don't need. I ain't never needed no damn powerpoint. You know, this is what I need here, and um, yeah, it wound up um, showing me like, wow, this, this. Um, this really resonated um, with these people in, in other countries. And I had people come up to me and tell me, if it wasn't for you, this whole night would have been a wash for me. And I'm like, whoa. 
And I, I mean, that was the first time I've ever done anything like that. So and uh, you were working in a vacuum down here, right? You're yeah. just you're just planning, and then what the L.A. Times wrote about you, and yeah. that, but that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. Well, the L.A. Times wrote about me because we got in trouble because right. of, with the with the um, city, right? And um, you know, long story short, with that, we wound up getting the the, the ordinance changed where you can now grow food on the streets. Uh, on the parkways in LA, yeah, and yeah. Um, that you couldn't do that before. So, um, when when was that? When did all that go down? Well, it was from 2013 to 2015, I think, is when the ordinance got changed. And so, when did you when did you give that first TED talk? Uh, twelve. 2012. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. and it was, it was basically a, uh, I didn't even realize it. It was a contest to get you to Big Ted, which mm. was the one you're, you're saying it's got 3 million views on. Mm. It was that view. But even that, I mean, you know, people say 3 million. You can't, they don't, you don't count when it's shown at a university all over the world every time, everybody in there. It is, it, you don't count. Um, the screenings that happen at the movie theater. So those numbers, when you see a TED number, those numbers a lot of times are thousands more than which they're really, you know, counting. I I would say probably if you put it in that context, like millions more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so. Because you got a, you got a movie theater that's 500. Yeah, fifty thousand, fifty people in it. They're not counting that. You like my my TED was one of the most like requests because when you do a TEDx, you have to show a TED talk. Uh, you know, during the TEDx or two, I think it's two. And one of them, somebody told me mine was one of the most requested TED talks uh, for several years um, that they would show at their TEDs. Right. You know? So they're not counting all those people in that audience. Sure. Yeah. Uh, how did you get to that point? <laughs> Because, because I mean, <laughs> what literally, point? we what point? What, the point where you, you're 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 talking about the millions of people who have viewed your TED video because you um, you had a business that people weren't paying you, so you had to you know this thing that had been your passion since your teenage years, you had to you you, you had to stop doing that, and then. And then you just planted stuff to plant stuff to bring beauty to your neighborhood and bring your beauty I, to I the spot. People, I tell people I I, I started growing, growing food to stop from using my AK. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of laughing nervously because I don't know if you're serious, but uh, but but what was it about? Was there was there a uh, was there a plan? No, it wasn't. There was there was never really a plan. You know, I mean, even with my clothing company, the plan was to make good shit, make quality. Because I figured if you make good shit, people will buy it and people will come and, you know, knock the doors down. There was no, you know, I didn't know about marketing plans and business plan. And I mean, everything I've done is, has, you know, been off the seat. I've never had a mentor in my life to show me the, the ropes or what to do. You know, so I sw- and it's um, I started making very high quality clothes because I would go into the store, and or I'd buy oh, on Rodale Drive or somewhere, and I would look at these clothes and turn them inside out and say, okay, why is this good? I'd buy old clothes from the store, you know, from thrift stores and take them apart. I just wanted to make a hell of a, gar- a garment that you know withstood the test of time and right. was in and and last, and that that's what I. I did, you know, but it got to a point too that, you know, I was working for my employees, right. and I never want to do that. I mean, so I don't want to build another prison for myself, and that's basically a lot of times owning a business. Like that's what you do, 
you know, you're, so, everybody else is benefiting. So how is this different than that? Is it because you, there's such a strong, powerful message about it? Is it because you're evangelizing a, a lifestyle <laughs> evangelizing. or, you know, um, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Without <laughs> using those words directly. Well, but, you know, well my, my assistant, Ashley, she calls me black Jesus. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> How do we know he wasn't, by the way? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, right? so, but... Because um, you guys didn't paint him that color. Uh, well, you know? yeah, but, you um, know, I can't speak to my, my Greek forefathers, <laughs> how they would have painted him. But um, what, uh, you know, for for you, is it, uh, when he set about doing this, was it just to, was it just to, to push out a message? Or were you like, hey, let me, let me build something out of this? Uh, I never intended for you to be sitting in this pool with me. Let's take yeah. it that far. I yeah. never intended to 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 be what hotel is right across from the acropolis and i never from the acropolis and saint is it george or something oh oh yeah 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 the one uh near the square syntax square uh saint i think it's come on is it george yeah i think it's george i think but i'm sitting in this uh, and there's a mcdonald's right there but you got i'm so proud of you guys that you don't have all that damn fast food there but i'm sitting there having lunch and i'm like is that the Acropolis right there? You know, so, I mean, <laughs> nobody expected that, man, that, that here I am, you know, and, and, I, and I, you know, that I get to have, you know, gardens named after me in, in the U.K. And um, that I, you know, I got kids in India calling themselves gangster gardeners. You know, we'll talk about that gangster later and stuff. But, I, but and they understand it. So, no, it wasn't, this wasn't, none of this was planned. None of this and that's what I, that's what's perfect about it. And that's what, it, it's a lot of weight. It's a hell of a lot of weight, but it's also the biggest joy that you could have imagined that people come up to me and tell me that I changed their lives, you know, just by hearing me and just by seeing what I'm doing. And, and, um, it's, 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 and I get to go, you know, literally from Qatar to, to Texas, you know, to, to, to Mrs., you know, was it? Alabama and yeah. to have people be inspired by what you're doing the, to the point that they're actively doing it. You know, to have somebody come up to you and tell you, I lost a hundred pounds because of you, you know, it was, um, that I, ch- I dropped my, I dropped out of, um, I changed my career in school when I, when I saw you talk. Um, and, um, have I, you found it's men- powerful. Have you found mentors for me? Yeah. No, not no. well. I, you know, what's terrible, everybody think I, it's like everybody think I know what I'm doing. You know, everybody, um, they, you know, they, they, it's almost like when, when I needed money in the fashion game, cause you know, you were always, you know, people that you don't look downtrodden and broken and, you know, poor. I'm like, shit, I, yeah, when I had money, I bought Ferragamo. I, when I, and I make all my damn clothes, you know, so you, you know, people look out, man. You, I saw you. I saw your your stuff in such and such a store, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, that was two years ago, dude. <laughs> you know, so no people, even in this, people, I guess they assume that I know what I'm doing, and uh, I've never had really nobody to just reach out and say, hey, man, you know, um, th- this is what you need to do. Right. You know, everybody, most a lot of people that come at me nowadays wanted. Um, they what was it i don't know they wanted to kind of ride you know because they a lot of people see the popularity and what i'm doing you know um but what what did come through recently we had a you know there was an issue with the property 
major. I don't know if you saw that. That was last fall, right? No, it was shit. It was. It just ended. What a month ago, maybe where we oh. where we raised okay. through um in a lot of the we put up a GoFundMe, and um, who came through were were you know people like Bette Midler, you know Anna Getty, um, John Forricker from Annie's Organic, and that, and, and um, Neil Newman, you know who start founder of Neil, uh, Newman's Organic. She's not with them no more, but they came in, man. Neil was first, uh, and Bette. And John, he just, John came in. I tell John, he was like Godzilla. You know, he came in and got the natural products company, um, in, companies involved, you know, from Califia milk, nut milk to Justin's nut butter to Siggy's yogurt to, uh, all just to, to save your garden. Yeah. Yeah. To save the whole property. Right. And so we raised, you know, we raised, um, you know, the money to buy it and during the process, these assholes, they raised the price 50000 on us. And like, okay, cool. Here. Now what? And they, because nobody expected it to happen. Yeah. You know, and um, the fact that, the, that they showed me this kind of love is, um, and showed me what, you know, that, like, you know, John Forreger did a tweet and said, you know, Ron Finley, we just want you to know Ron Finley matters. <laughs> and for somebody to do that, man, I, um, I mean, I was, I was overwhelmed, you know, um, why is it important this sticks around this property in this place? Why well, was it because important because I mean you're here. It's, it's a unicorn. You know you you're at, you ain't gonna find nothing like this around here nowhere. Else. I mean this this is uh, this place changes people's lives. You know just because you got to realize a lot of people they don't they don't dream. Uh, I had kids. I don't dream. I ain't got no you know why I don't need to dream. This this I'm like cause it's free. And if you, a lot of times, if you think it, you can make it happen. So you got people that live in a built environment that they never get to see anything else. So now you're exposing them to something else and they, oh, maybe I could do that. Oh, maybe I could live like that. You know, but just imagine if you're seeing filth and violence and, and, and corruption every day, you know, that shit becomes normal, you know, but now just imagine if you put some beauty in that. If you put some sweet smells in there, if you, you know, you put some great design in there. Imagine if you see that every day, you know, um, it's like being like Italy, Greece, you know, where everywhere you go, there's art every damn where there's art, you know, um, and, and look at what you look at what you get. It's real simple. Good in, good out. You know, what's the biggest obstacle you think people have to to taking your message is just planting shit and and um, growing stuff. The, I always tell people the biggest obstacle in anything is dealing with people is people. But also the opposite of that, the biggest solution <laughs> is people. Um, there is no obstacles. It's, it's just it's just you need to do it, and you re, you need to realize that there is no obstacles. You owe this to your. Um, to yourself, to your family, to this planet. It's real simple. If we heal this planet, we heal ourselves. We, If we fix Mother Nature, we are fixing ourselves. This planet does not need us. Does and that resonate here? Yeah, yeah. In yeah. this neighborhood, does that resonate in? To certain people. You're not going to get everybody in. Cool. Right. I only want truths around me. I don't want people to, you don't get it, fine. There ain't no room for your ass on the boat anyway. Yeah. You know, but the people that do, you got to realize that people are tired of people around them being sick. Their loved ones being sick. You know, the the fact that this this design, this, this, um, these areas 
are are to me they're they're like death camps. Everything around you is killing you, you know. And but they say they're 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 underserved. There's no money. They're poor. So how are you making a billion dollars over here, then, Davida? How how over hundreds? How over billion? The dialysis oh, company. Yeah, you were yeah. what? They were they were they were fined a billion dollars and paid. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so how, so how, so, so CVS, the rest of how are you guys, McDonald's, how are you guys making all these millions and billions of dollars if this place is so downtrodden and there's poverty stricken? Who's, where's the money? Follow the dollar. You know, so, so miss me with that. And all of a sudden the complexion changes of the neighborhood and there's infrastructure, there's investments, there's new buildings and there's healthy food and there's, there's a coffee, um, you know, uh, <laughs> a foreign coffee place on every corner. Mm. You know why? Why is that? Yeah. Why is it convenient now? And it all the only thing happened was the complexion changed. Nothing else happened. Yeah. Uh, the folks who moved in demanded it, right? Or they don't. A lot of times they don't have to demand it. For what I've seen, because developers are coming to talk to me now, they don't have to demand. The developers design it that way, and then they come because I've had them to come talk to me, and I'm like, wow. So it's all a plan. How does that feel having developers come talk to you? It, it feels shitty. You didn't come to talk to me before. You know, it's like it's it's like yeah. All of a sudden, you 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 know that you're selling stuff, and you know that you bought a gang of shit around here, a gang of properties, you know that. So all of a sudden it's like, hey, because you know it's going to turn. Cause you, why? Because you were the ones turning it. So what no, do you it, think it, what, what do you, what, what can you affect there? What can you, when you get that opportunity to talk to the developers, what are you trying to get across? That um, when I talk to them, I'm telling them the real. It ain't, it ain't going, if I got something to do with it, as people see that, it ain't going down like that. It ain't going to be your ass going to know that you in a cage with a badger. You know, it ain't you. It ain't just no walk over here, take this $500 check and bounce. No, no, no. It's like you, 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 um, there needs to be some, some respect, you know, and, and a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's, it's these deals and they've been done years ago and they're behind closed doors. And um, it's a lot of displacement. It's a lot. Of, we got seniors killing themselves, committing suicide because they're they're hot, they're losing their homes. You know, because he's like, think about it. You know, you you've been in this house for forty, fifty years. You know, and yeah, the, the 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 business that you worked for was associated with this mortgage fraud. So your pension is not there no more. And you know, you're seventy years old. You, you're gonna go live on the street. You know, and the bank's not working with you. The banks are working with these developers or these flippers. You know, the banks all of a sudden are, what are they, real estate companies now? Yeah. Well, until there's another bus like 2008. It's kind of, yeah. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Kinda. Um, yeah, last couple of things. Um, how do you see all the, the talks that you do internationally, the TED Talk stuff, the, the appearances you make, like at the Red Bull Glimpses conference? How do you see that? What do you think that gives your message and does that translate to the areas that need it? Sometimes no, but, but sometimes yes, because you, I figure, you know, you, you have to change some, some mindsets. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of these has used to like glimpses of this, you know, it's, it's white men, you know, most of these conferences I go to, it's white men, you know, from Google on down. It's, it's, and a lot of times they need to hear it, you know, um, that, um, this shit is not fair. 
and that you got to realize that um, what happens on the bottom affects the top. You know, so what happens on the bottom of that hill affects the top because nine times out of ten, that's where the top got their money was from the bottom of the hill. And I like to tell them it's like um, that shit got to change. Ask Marie Antoinette how that shit worked for her. It didn't turn out that good, right. if, you, if you know anything about history. Right, right. You know, right. so, and that's that's a lot of times the message. And a lot of times they're they're not out there to get my message. A lot of times they're they're stuck in their bubble, so they don't even know what they're affecting. They don't even know uh, the cause and effect. I think they like hearing you, though, because yeah. it gives them, like, a... You're like, man, this guy is so authentic. He's so real. You know what I mean? But what I often think about is after you give those talks, it's like, okay, but are they walking out no. doing something, right? Not with like, me. I mean, I've, I've had a guy from England say, as soon as I get back, I'm sending you $10,000. Right. You know, I've never, right. and I said, man, you know, often I hear that. You know, often I hear these rich guys pat me on my shoulder, like, Ron, you're so inspiring. Keep doing what you're doing. Has they run away from me? And, yeah. for, and look back to see if I'm following them. You know, I get it so often, man, from most of these conferences. No no one came to me. That's why I'm so appreciative of, you know, a lot of the folks in the natural products industry, you guys from Back to the Roots. I mean, they're putting the word out there. And um, they're not they're not doing it. And, and they like, what, Ron, what do you need? You know, what the fuck you think I need? You know, it's like, what did you need to get to where you? Give me the top ten to how you got to where you. That's what I need. You know, it's like no no one's come in and say, hey, let's listen. If you've gotten here with nothing, your message is run around the world with with no help. Imagine, okay, we need to let's blow this shit up. And no one's no one's done that. No one's really came to me and said, hey man, like here we're gonna mentor your program. We're gonna do this. Well, no one's come to me like that. You know, is that what you'd be down with? I mean, I'd be, that, if with the right people, sure. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I'm not selling. I, I, I tell people, I'll spoon the devil, right. but I ain't, I ain't having sex with the devil. Right. Well, I'm just a little. Well, I take my. Okay, I take my pants off, but that's it. Right. I ain't going. And I, you'd probably I'm, be the big spoon, not yeah, the baby yeah. spoon. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. You know. So yeah, no, I, I, um, and, you know, and I'm not, I'm not. I've had them. I'm not doing the greenwashing. You know, I'm not, you're not used, you're not, I'm not sitting up there holding your product. If you want to help and you want to make this shit better, make it better. But it's so many of these companies, you know, now um, gluten-free, now GMO-free. Why wasn't it, why'd you have that shit in there in the first place? Right. You know? <laughs> right. Right. It's right. like, uh, even with the cosmetic, you know, a lot of the cosmetic companies that need to be regulated with all yeah. the garbage that they, you know, this shit's giving people cancer. Yeah. So why is it even in your product in the first place? You know, so it's it's like that. So Why what potato chip bag got fourteen ingredients when all it really needs is three? So what gives you hope going forward? Uh, that we're sitting here talking. I mean, I don't. You know, it's that hope. I don't like hope. I don't really like that shit. I don't like hope because you you can't really do nothing with it. You can't do shit with hope. So I like to say opportunity because you can crush with opportunity, and that's what people need. And these. They've been selling us hope for how long? Keep hope alive. No, put a stake through that motherfucker's heart. You know, give somebody opportunity where they can change the game. They don't. They can sit around and hope for, for all. No, tangible opportunities is what these kids need. What people need in these environments and in the in the in the the kind of knowledge that they can you can have to survive. I mean, I like going to the elementary school, man. It took me a week later that I just I was talking to a girlfriend and I just started crying because I was telling her about the experience. I didn't know it affected me like that. 
But I'm like, these kids are not going to be able to show their brilliance. I got 800 kids here. And the, the percentage that's so low that are ever going to escape that situation. And these, I mean, and they showed me how, I have 45, 50 kids stand up, elementary school kids that ask me questions in a line. Kids don't do that, man. Kids don't do that. No, they don't. And it's like, and then the, the, they would walk by when, you know, they were, when they were saying bye, they had me standing. They were, someone would shake my hand. Someone would just grab me. A little bitty kid hug you by the waist and your knees just buckle, man, from this kid don't know me. Why is he, why is he embracing, why is she, he embracing me like that? And that's, that's, that ain't no hope. I mean, yeah, I hope that they do get to have it. But if they had the opportunity, they're going to crush it. And I don't have to have that hope. You know, so let's get let's get people opportunities to change this shit. You know, to I I um you know I I was presented with the opportunity to be here, um and do what I'm doing to talk to you, you know, and also let them know that when the opportunity is there, you know that's a big thing. A lot of people have opportunities they don't even know it's there. So yeah, um, so no, I, I want I want to you know keep opportunity alive and, and let people have it and let's let these kids you know we don't know like I said in my tag you know we don't know who the next George Washington Carver is you know um, and and if you don't let them if you already have these kids you have tattoo barcodes on their neck because they're going to into one of these industrial complexes but why because we need people in them we need people in prisons we need people in the military period. So who do you charge? Who just what's the percentage of black folks in 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 America, and then the percentage of black folks in prison? It makes no sense. Thirteen point two, thirteen point five percent, sixty five, sixty seventy five percent. So it's not about hope; it's about opportunity. Yeah, yeah, and knowing that you have, uh, knowing that they have an option. I had big, strong, eight, seventeen year old, six two black kid tell me. He joined the military, and he's like, well, I can't be here on Thursdays because I got to go do this. And then his voice would just go down and his old attitude. I'm saying, I said, every time you say that, man, you know your emotion, everything changed. I said, so why did you join? He puts his head down and says, what else am I going to do? Mm. I don't want to hear that shit again. You know, so um, that's what the, that's what the, this is what I'm doing is bigger than food. As far as I'm concerned, food is, shit, what, 5%? <laughs> Maybe. This shit is about freedom. This is what gardens, I tell you, what does gardens represent to me? They represent opportunity and freedom to, for this oppressive-ass, fucked-up system. Ron Finley, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> that was perfect to end on, huh? Rod Finley, thank you very much. What a uh, absolute pleasure that was. Uh, that guy is just a quote machine, isn't it? Dropped some serious knowledge as well. Made me rethink my approach to some aspects of my life for sure. Uh, thanks for uh, everyone who made this possible on the road. Uh, Melissa Thompson, Ryan, the Turbo Thurban, associate producer, uh, producer Teresa. First name James from Mixing It. Unique Monique for all she does. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Acast. Leave a, leave a review on iTunes. Help other people find us. All right. I think we'll, uh, we'll end right here, and we'll see you next time. 